Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am so excited to have on the show Dr. Ann Charlotte Valentine. Ann is a naturopathic medical doctor, author, evidential medium, psychic, spiritual educator, as well as a a dynamic, inspirational public speaker. She teaches workshops in psychic and mediumship development, as well as offering private readings and shamanic ceremonies. I knew I was dying. The first thing I noticed that I was still alive. I was still there, just outside my body. This was the reaction of Dr. Latte as she came close to death in the ER in 1992. She captivates her audiences and inspires them to become the person they were born to be by moving from their mind to their heart. Her messages provide hope and healing and create peace and happiness in your mind, heart, and soul. She lives in Phoenix, Arizona, where She operates Center for Integrative Medicine, as well as her spiritual center, Divine Spiritual Essence. Welcome to the program, Anne. Oh, thank you so much, Marla. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah. So so would you like me to call you Anne or Dr. Lottie or? (laughs) Lottie is fine. Um, You know, when people call me Anne, I know that they don't know me. (laughs) Okay. They got my name off an email list somewhere, so it's, yes. it's funny. Yeah, yeah. People so people me. that know you, I mean, just your, you know, your regular friend or your family, what what do they call you? They they either call me Lottie, L-O-T-T-E, which comes off the end of my name. Yes. Or they call me Lotta, which is the Swedish version of that name because I was born and raised in Sweden. And so the nickname for Anne Charlotte, which in Swedish is pronounced Anne Charlotte, is oh beautiful so it, you know so it's that whole language language barrier of changing the name slightly to sort of fit the language that's spoken so. right right well i'm so excited to have you on the show and to talk a little bit about your book med, med school after menopause because you have um gone on this journey or this path that that very few, really no one I know, um, has done something like that after, you know, after being told. So let's just dive into that. Um, Just tell us a little bit briefly about your NDE. I know you were agnostic. And so just tell us a little bit about that and what it was like for you. So I had two NDEs. Uh, One was 27 years ago and the other one was 25 years ago. And the first one happened after my third child was born and I was hemorrhaging for three days, uh, going back and forth to the ER. And finally, I had lost so much blood that I left my body and had my first near-death experience. 
And it was during that moment of leaving the body, being an atheist going into this experience, I did not believe in anything. And even though I had been raised Lutheran in the country of Sweden, which is in Northern Europe, um, I had no beliefs. If you could not touch it, see it, smell it, or hear it, as far as I was concerned, that there was nothing that existed after death. And my first thought when, as I left my body was, how can I still be here? How can I still be me? Wow. But there was this unconditional love and peace and tranquility of leaving the body because here I am in the in the emergency room struggling for my life but as soon as my spirit left the body and I was outside it was just it was this peace is peace and quietness and there was this understanding of how I had access to all information like past present and future there was no time on the other side wow so that was that was my first experience um, of being outside my body. Wow, that's that's amazing. And when you did you come back with all of the knowledge? Or I know some sometimes people remember part. I guess you wouldn't know if you don't remember. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, how did you come back with a lot a lot of knowledge? I can't, so that first near-death experience gave me the knowledge that there is no death, that life is eternal. And it is just that we change the state of our existence. Yes. So we are existing now. I'm existing now in my, in my little tiny body. I call it my vehicle. This is you know, how I'm propelling myself through life. I need this body to exist on earth. But when you pass to the other side, you realize that you're still the same person. You're still you, but you, you're just outside. It's like you stepped out of your car. Right. right? Like your expansion. Right. Just expand. And you're still, you're still you. You're still that same person. But when I had my second near death experience two years later, and I was really, really sick during this whole time and it was as if my soul didn't merge back in all the way after that first experience. And I'm not sure whether that was just um, the fact that my soul didn't merge all the way back or the fact that I was so sick at the same time. Right. So I had like a bone marrow suppression and I didn't have enough blood in my body basically for, for about six years. And I, I was covered in bruises and I was very dizzy all the time. So but two years later, I have another near-death experience when I leave my body, but this was very different. And the second time I left my body, I was exposed to the light. And a lot of people that talk about near-death experiences, they talk about seeing the light or there's right. a tunnel. I never saw a tunnel. I just sort of tumbled through darkness and then, and then appeared, you know, basically in the light. But this time I met two spirit guides and they showed me it was as if I was standing on the moon looking down on the earth and but the whole earth was covered in it in a what I call a fishnet because it was like a grid around the earth and the spirit guy told me that everything on earth is connected to each other but everything on earth is also connected up to this grid and so and with that I was sent back and I, I was not told anything else, but that message then stayed with me. 
and really shaped my life. It is what activated my life purpose, my life path. Why am I here? What am I doing here? And to gain that understanding. So thinking I came from, from this, um, thinking that there was nothing after death, that the spirit world does not exist. Um, everything just turns black when you die and that's it. And now I'm with having these spiritual experiences. And for a long time, I thought it was crazy. I thought it was going crazy. How could I have this experience? How can I be outside my body? How can I be communicating with these spirit guides that everything seemed realer than real on earth? Yes. It was more real on the other side than it, it is here. And so it took me many, many years to to come to terms with what that experience was and why was I shown the that? Why was I shown the grid? Why was I told that everything is connected and everything is connected up? And we are all connected, yes. right? So we are all connected on earth and we are connected to the earth and we're living you know, on it and through it and everything is connected to each other. Yeah. Oh. Wow. So then when you had your near-death experiences, you were young and were you, were you a mom at home with the children or what were you, um, what was your life like when you had those before, before menopause or for before med right. school? <laughs> right. I was at home, I was at home uh, with the children at the time. I was, I was working in corporate America. And then after my first child was born, we decided to stay home because childcare was so expensive and there's not much left from the paycheck. Right. And, and we were fortunate enough to be able to squeak by on, on one paycheck during, you know, cause you're still young. Um, and so I was already at home with my children when, so, when I, because this was my third child. So my boys were, when my daughter was born, my two boys were six and three and a half. Wow. So they were still young you know, yeah. during these, during these experiences. Yeah. So how did they change? How did they change your life at that time? And also, did it change the way you saw your, ch your children in any way? I mean, obviously, we all love our children more than anything more than life itself. But did it um, cause you to talk to them about more spiritual sorts of things since you were either you were an atheist before so i'm assuming there wasn't any religion in in the family can you talk about that a little bit right yeah so my life changed dramatically right so basically my life is now divided in a before and an after yes. because my life is so different and i'm such a different person because of it because of those experiences my perception of life itself changed so Going through these experiences, um, as the children were growing, um, I became more and more clairvoyant and clairaudient and clairsentient, and I started hearing things and seeing things before they happened, and there was electrical interference, and my watches would stop, and the televisions would turn on, and it was just very crazy, but now, now we know that people who have had near-death experiences often have these electrical interference for a while. But it took me 12 years to have my watch tick for 12 months. So every year it would tick another month for another month. The first year, you know, after one year it ticked for a month. So it was a long process. But what happened with this, because it became, I had these electrical interferences and then I would, became clairvoyant and I would know spirits when they, somebody had passed away in the family and I was being visited in the middle of the night. And I knew that that person had already passed before they would call and tell me. 
And so I became aware of the spirit world over a long period of time, but I also would start to know things before they happen. Right. And all this, I didn't believe in any of this. So it was very difficult for me to make sense out of all of this, because how could you, you know, how could you all of a sudden start seeing things or knowing things or hearing the spirit world uh, when I had the belief system of maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe that was some kind of hallucination that happened. Maybe it's just something that happens in your brain. You know, I, I'm, I'm so scientific and I'm so grounded in the earth and my own father was a physician too. And so, you know, that science mind came in. And so literally it took me 12 years to sort of just digest those experiences and come to terms with it because after being clairvoyant for so many times and seeing things and telling the family we're going to be in an accident and this is what the scratch looks on the car and and all these different things would happen and after a while you realize okay i'm being told this is important i'm i'm to know that this is going to happen or i'm being warned about something so after 12 years you know it becomes your normal life of right. okay, they're trying to tell me something and how do they tell you clairvoyant is when you've when you feel no clairvoyant is when you see, right? Yeah. When I see yes. things and yeah, clairaudient is when you hear. Yes. Clairsentient is when you feel it in your body. Yes, yes. Wow. So so you had a heightened sense of all of the all of these things started happening. But what about I know in your book you have such it's such a beautiful book, and I want to thank you for that. Um, you have all these these exercises for people to, to practice, you know, gratitude and remember the importance of unconditional love and visualizing. And where did, how did that kind of, kind of permeate into your life after the, after the near death experience? So over this, this extended period of time, right? So I'm becoming more clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient. Um, and you learn that, that life is all about, it's a learning experience. It's almost, um, like we're just here to learn. We're here to have an experience. We're here to grow our soul. And I had to learn to, in order to move on with my own life, I had to learn how to get, how to uh, release, you know, the fears of, of, um, being sick again or yes. um, and being misdiagnosed for three days. And I went to the emergency room and I got sent home and I went to the doctor and I got sent home and it, I wouldn't have had this experience. And then, which made me sick for you know, a good six years um, where I wasn't functioning normally and wasn't able to bring my kids to the playground. You know, I just, cause I was so faint all the time. And so it changes, it changed the way I view the world because everything ultimately is gratitude and gratitude and love. And so it taught me to replace um, my fears uh, and things that I didn't like, or when you have thoughts, um, you know, you're mad about something, you're angry about something to replace that thought and release that thought. So it taught me to release, it taught me forgiveness. It taught me to release my fears. Um, because ultimately we were just here to exist and have an experience and to replace all that with gratitude and just be grateful. So anytime I would have um, an angry thought, I would say, okay, this is an angry thought. I'm going to release this now. I am done with this thought and I have processed this thought. I have 
I, I'm, acknowledge, I'm acknowledging this anger, but it no longer serves me a purpose. And I'm now ready to release it, and I'm going to replace it with gratitude. I am grateful for, and mm -hmm. then fill in the blank. And so, and that's an important lesson because it's, you know, everybody has, um, I talk about it in my book, everybody comes in with a backpack full of, of problems. We all have problems. Everybody has problems. You look at famous people or rich people, they all have problems too. There is no such thing as people don't have problems, right? But everybody's problems seems the worst to them because that's, they incarnated for this. These are the things they have to resolve during their life. And so it's every buddy's problem is a difficult problem for them because sometimes you'll say oh you know i'd rather have her problems across the street because they're a lot easier than mine right. well they're not easy for you because that they would if it was easy you wouldn't have them right yes you know being taught to overcome that and so you asked too before about the children and they were raised very differently because of my experiences because before i had these experiences I was very goal oriented. I was very, you know, my child is going to read before he goes to kindergarten. He was, you know, he's going to be successful. He's going to be the best at everything. And I was very goal oriented and um, very driven like that. And then after I had one year death experiences, I was, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Just do whatever you want. And I'm <laughs> a relaxed mother. And my children would come home and, and be worried and say, I heard that if you're going to go to Yale, then you have to go to the, you know, you have to know French and Chinese and speak, you know, four different languages and do all these things and be president of all these different clubs and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I don't even, I don't even care if you go to college. And so it was a complete switch from before my NDE. It was, of course, all my children are going to go to college. Of course, they're all going to be doctors and they're all right. going to have a high degree and they're all going to be very successful. And it was just, I just let go of all that and all of a sudden it was and i write about it in my book too how and i would the joke was always in the family i don't care if you collect milk bottle caps because if you collect milk bottle caps and you become knowledgeable about the milk bottles everybody's going to come see your collection because for that and yeah. so in this book it's all about you know teaching people to move from the mind to the heart because it's we we function in this western world with with our mind too much and we're trying to move to the heart it's like um this old prophecy the inca pro the prophecy by the inca um that is very ancient that said that in 1993 this new window starts and we're in this window right now right where the eagle of the north flies in harmony with the condor of the south now the eagle symbolizes the mind and the condor symbolizes the heart but it is we are in that moment right now and when you think about what we're going through right now with the pandemic we're all it's also making people think about how we're living and how we're using our resources and it's bringing people back to the earth people are starting to garden people are spending more time with their children there's i see families walking around my block that i didn't even knew that they lived in my neighborhood right yeah. so it's grounding people back it's forcing people to come back to that uh you know where we have sort of lost that connection with with the earth and who we are and why we're here and talking about going back to the grid you know the fishnet that we're all interconnected. I, I think that's an awakening for us too that's happening right now that 
it's affecting all of us, no matter, you know, where you've come from or what your family is like or rich, poor, whatever. Um, we are so, so interconnected and we need to help, help one another out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, so how can someone, when they're in sort of chaotic time or they just are, you know, they, they just aren't grounded. What are some of the practices that, that you do yourself and that you recommend to people in your, in your um, teachings? Uh, well, number one, like we spoke about gratitude. Yes. Um, every day you make a list and you have to write down five things that you're grateful for every day, but they have to be different. Every day is different. So typically it starts out with, I'm grateful to have, you know, a place to live or I'm grateful for having food in my fridge. But after a couple of days, you know, it becomes more and more minute. I'm, I'm grateful for my socks. I'm grateful for my toothbrush. I'm grateful for, you know, it becomes smaller and smaller. I'm grateful for my blueberry muffin. Yeah. Right. And so it, it sort of awakens that within people to realize how grateful they should be for what they already have because we live in a society where we're driven to materialistically, you know, own more things. And right. so it brings that awareness back to people. Um, also to ground, you know, every day, if they can go outside, put their bare feet on the earth, you know, the earth is full of negative ions and we've lost that connection because we wear, we wear shoes, which is great because it protects our feet, but it also has rubber on it and it doesn't let those negative ions be absorbed into our body. And it's just like when you go to the ocean, it's full of negative ions and you feel so relieved. It's because of that, all those negative ions that come, come at you is very calming. Mm -hmm. So um, do that and then you know, just sit still. Um, some people say they don't know how to meditate or they can't meditate. But sometimes I tell people, just sit still. Just go you know, make a cup of tea or just go sit outside, listen to the birds, close your eyes for if you can for five minutes in the beginning and then you know, build up. And you know, after a while, you know, people can do it for an hour. But in the beginning, it's difficult. And people say, I have too many thoughts. I, can't, I start thinking about the grocery list or I start thinking about what I have to do. But it's okay. Everybody does that. You just have to acknowledge that thought and say, I acknowledge that thought and you're releasing it. Go back to focus on your breathing and just create that stillness within yes. you. Yeah. Yeah, that's... That stillness that brings down your blood pressure, it brings down the worries and just finding yourself, your true self inside. Right, right. And um, I love when you talk about the wisdom of children chapter. Can you talk a little, just a little bit about, um, I know Bruce Lipton was talking about the brain waves of young children and also, um, yeah, just talk a little bit about that. Right. So I have a chapter on, on children because many times um, people or adults treat children as if they were teenagers. And you see this when you go to the grocery store and the child is whining for a toy or they're crying, they're tired. And the parent tries to reason with them. Well, you don't deserve this toy because you are behaving badly and blah, blah, blah. The child doesn't really comprehend what you're saying. The, the child relies more on the tone of your voice and how you're acting because the child's brain waves are not functioning yet at the higher, uh, higher brain wave, right? The, the, this is beta, alpha, um, right. beta, alpha, uh, theta, delta, right? right. So it's 
up and down. And then we have one that's even higher, that's gamma, that's like 40 hertz or above. But they don't have that reasoning skill. So adults, we function on those two higher levels. Children function like up to age six on the two lower levels. The two lower levels, that is what we experience when we sit in meditation and we really calm ourselves down and it sort of opens that window to creativity and the subconscious mind, right? Children, the young children, toddlers, they live in that. They live in that, those brain waves all the time. And then we are functioning up here, not the high, you know, beta brain wave trying to reason with our child that doesn't even have that brain wave yet. Right. And so it, it creates, um, it creates, you know, problems for that child because if they constantly hear that they're not good or you're a bad person, that they take that sort of face value and then they carry that with them into adulthood. And then we do therapy when they're adults. But we could just, uh, you know, alleviate this altogether by by getting to know our children and the way they function when they are very young because they don't have that capability and they're very, um, they, they rely more on a command. So if you're at the playground and you say, um, you know, stop, stop throwing sand at your friend. It, it's getting in the eyes. Stop doing that, right? People tell the children to stop all the time. To a child, that doesn't really mean anything. But if you tell that child, sand stays on the ground. It's just a command. Sand yeah. stays on the ground. Oh, okay. Right, right. Right, and it's sort of, they just take that and they go, oh, sand stays on the ground. But if you say stop, then it, it just becomes more and more, they keep doing it because it becomes this. Right, right. <laughs> Seeing how far they can go. Yeah, I love when you say children are constantly learning and exploring and they really don't mean to upset you. They are only emulating your behavior. Try to see the humor in the mess that was created. Life isn't really that serious and you never know what might happen right around the corner. You know, you never know, um, you know, just where life, where life is going to go. So so be in that present moment and enjoy and, and love. And, and I think these children can teach us so much if we can just slow down and be more in that imaginative, creative, creative moment. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what have been your greatest lessons that you've learned from your children? I know that when your old, oldest child was two, there was an angel story. Can you tell us about that? Oh, yes. So this is before my near-death experience. Oh, okay. So I was, put, I was pregnant with my second child, and I was putting on his little sweatpants. He was two years old. And all of a sudden, he keeps staring at the corner of the ceiling. And I said, what are you looking at? Just thinking he's going to come up with some imaginative story. And he says, there is an angel, and she's looking at us. And I said, oh, there is an angel. I did not believe in any of these things. So I'm just playing along thinking, wow, my child has such great imagination. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right. So he says, no, there is an angel there. So after I finished putting on his clothes, I said, okay, what is the angel doing now? And he looks up in the corner and he says, she's gone. She left. And I'm just thinking, well, you know, it's such an imagination. I wonder where he got that from. Yeah. We never talk about angels. We're not religious. We never go to the church. We don't have any storybooks about this. It was, you know, it just came out of the blue. And then I, of course, go through my near-death experience. And when I'm standing in the light, what do I see? The outline of angels that I didn't even believe existed. Wow. So, you know, it comes full circle. And 
it is almost as if he was preparing me. Yes. Yeah. Right. Interesting. But, yeah. But they, the children teach us many things. They teach us, you know, to be more grounded, that life really isn't that serious. So let's talk a little bit about the, some me- the message that you received that you needed to go to medical school. And then, then you went to Arthur Finley, the medium, um, the renowned medium program in Europe. And so tell us a little bit about this message and your path after that. Right. So after 12 years of getting messages all the time and, you know, knowing when my family, family members had died and, you know, just so many spiritual um, events that happened that I, at this point, it was just who I had become. The spirit talks to me and warns me about something or tells me something. I listen. And I was um, in my living room and all of a sudden I was aware of a spirit guide. I couldn't see him, but it's just, you know, I, 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 now I can. Now I can see the spirits that I communicate with. But then I couldn't. I didn't know who it was. I just knew it was a guide. I could not control when, when to communicate with spirit. They would just come in and give me a message and then leave again, right? Right control over it back then and this spirit guy came in and he said um you have to be a naturopathic doctor you're to combine east and west you're to bring messages and healing to the people and you have to write two books no wait three and i just you know blindly said well what you know messages what messages and they're like we'll tell you later on writing about what i'm not an author i'm not a writer what am i supposed to write about right we'll tell you when the time is right and the message was just consistent you need to go to medical school that is your first task you have to be a doctor so i literally enrolled in pre-med classes i was in school within two weeks because the message was that strong and after 12 years of getting messages i just it was just my calling it was all right it was all clicking into place it was everything was starting to make sense. Why did I spend the last 12 years trying to get well, you know, and, and regain my health? And I had finally, that summer, you know, there was literally, was at the same, the same, same time period where I felt, okay, I finally healed. I finally did it. I'm finally well. Now I can move on with my life. Yes. And then there is this message. And so I started, uh, I did all my pre-med classes. Then I went back to work for four years because I still had teenagers at home. And then I started medical school in 2012 and I was 54 years old at the time. And um, I have a chapter or two about that in the book because I'm trying to inspire other people. I have friends that um, they said, if you're going to medical school, I'm going back to school too. So I have one friend that became a nurse, another friend became a counselor, another friend studied like arts and does a lot of things with, um, you know, computers and arts and things like that. And it's very interesting because you don't realize that you also have an influence on other people by sharing your own story. And so that's what I've tried to do in my book. I'm trying to encourage people um, because I have patients that say, well, now I'm 45, I can't change career now. And I'm looking at them. Yes, you can. Yes. I, it's never too late. And I, ha- I tell people, you have to look at life like you're going to live to be 100. So if you're going to be 100, you haven't even lived your half of your adult life yet because you didn't become an adult until you were 21. So right. you've only been an adult for 19 years. You've got a long way to go. 
So it is trying to inspire people, um, you know, to follow their own path and their own journey and finding that in their heart. And so that's what I talk about in my book. Um, but then what happened was that uh, after I graduated in 2016 and I was doing uh, my residency type of work, um, I was guided to go to Arthur Findlay College. And I just met this woman um, who was a medium at a workshop and she didn't know anything about me. And she said, I have your mother with me. Are you open to receive messages? And, you know, this is it's interesting because I had just graduated from medical school and this was in 2016. And I would nonchalantly kind of sat back, took a sip of my wine. We we're waiting for our table. So we're in a restaurant. And I said, sure, bring it on. And I was very, like, I did not believe that she could prove anything to me that would make me recognize that she was speaking to my mother. Right. Because I had only, at that time, only experienced messages from spirit, but not always, you know, knowing, you know, who I was communicating with, unless it was somebody that passed away. And I would say, oh, that's my uncle. My uncle is here. But other than that, you know, how could you just, have a spirit come in and for the person sitting across from you. Right? right. And so she told me that after proving that it was my mother, which was very clear because she didn't know anything about me. And she told me things from my childhood and things that you couldn't even guess. And so it changed my view of, of how you can actually communicate with spirit and you can bring them in. And I didn't really know anything about mediumship at this point. And this is only three and a half years ago. Well, how did, if I can just interject for a second, for the listeners, Arthur Finley, as I college, which I mentioned a few minutes ago, but it's one of the most arguably most well-respected mediumship colleges in the world. And it's in outside of Kent. Is that, is that where uh, it's it? about an hour North of London? Okay. About an hour. And it's, so, which brings me to the question, how did you end up there if you didn't really know much about me? <laughs> so, so here I am, it's, it's September, 2016. I have just taken my boards, my medical boards in August. I'm still waiting on the results because we don't get the results until October because it's, you know, it's a national test. Everybody tests at the same time. Right. Cheating. You know? And so she tells me three times, she says, your mother says you have to go to Arthur Finley College. And I keep saying, I can't go there. I just graduated. I, I'm in the middle of like getting, you know, learning how to be a doctor and residency work and all that. Right. And they were just adamant that I had to go there. And so finally, after the third time, she says, your mother says you have to go. I said, okay, fine, fine, I will go, I will go, I'll figure out a way, I mean, I just graduated, I don't really have much money, but I'm going to figure out a way to do this, and sure enough, you know, the following, the last week of March, April of 2017, I went to Arthur Finley College, and my thinking was that, oh, this will be good, there's no way, you know, they're going to, how could they prove to me that they have my mother with me or they have my, <laughs> you still I have that science. <laughs> I was such a skeptic. I'm still right. So I, I, I totally understand why people are skeptical. Yeah. Because I'm, I was that myself. And even though I had these experiences. Right. That's what's so astonishing. Yeah. And so I, I go there and I have a reading with my teacher well, after three days of, of doing this, the first time I did a reading for somebody else and they said, oh yeah, that is my grandmother. Oh, and, oh yes, she did live on the country and that is you know, how she was and everything. And I would walk away to, to the next person thinking to myself, that was just luck. 
It's just yes. not. Yes. It was just, it was my brain and it, it just knew these things about her grandmother, right? And I kept thinking that. And then on the third day, I was I was thinking, okay, it can't be luck because I've done this 20 times now. It's it's way beyond. <laughs> right. Right. And but at that point I couldn't, I didn't know exactly where the information was coming from, but I was I was getting the information, but you know, it's, it's a learning process, how to connect with the spirit. Yes. Yeah. But you had already done that so often. Was it totally yeah. different from what you um, were doing? Yeah. But it's, it was just, I was just getting information versus now if I do a reading, I wait for the spirit. I know when the spirit has arrived, I see the spirit. I see. And it's very different. But back then it was just, I would just get little glimpses, you know, very quickly. And I, what was that? And was that my brain or did that come from somewhere else? Like it was difficult to know. Yes. It out until I learned that when I get messages quickly like that, those are from spirit versus when your brain starts acting and you start, you know, debating whether, well, that couldn't be her mother in the spirit world. She looks way too young. I bet it's her grandmother. And that's your brain starting to make sense out of it. Instead of saying, uh, you know, she says it's your mother. Do you have a mother? Right. Right. It's very different. But so then I had my first reading with this teacher and that is the first time I got the confirmation on the message I had received, right? The, of writing, you're to write two books, no wait, three. That was the message that I was given in 2004 in my living room. Mm -hmm. And I had just started, I had graduated from med school. I had just started, I had made an app line on my book. I knew the chapters. I knew what I wanted to say, you know, done some bullet points in each chapter. Nobody knew that I was writing this book except for my daughter. That's it. Teacher, she, that's when she also said, um, your mother tells me that you started writing a book. And I said, yes, that's true. And she said, your mother tells me you are to write two books. No, wait, three. Oh, and my goodness. Exact same message. And I, yeah. I've gotten that message from four different mediums now that have read me that don't know anything about me. Before, before my book was published, when I was still writing the book, I got that message from four different mediums and the message is always the same. And it's always my mother that's coming through and she says, you're writing two books, no way three. Wow. And now I, I know, I guess I'm supposed to write two more and I don't know really what they're about yet, but it will come. Right. Because yeah. we are, but the things were all guided, right? It's um, yeah. Mediums are amazing. And thank goodness there's so many um, great ones out there now. So true. Well, we need to wrap it up, but I just wanted to, um, I was so touched by your poem, The Hourglass. Mm -hmm. And um, would you like to read the first three or four lines or would you sure. like me to do it? Do you have it there? Yeah, I have I guess, it there. Yes. Maybe that first part and then we'll put the, the entire thing in the, um, in the show notes, even though it just goes yeah. back up. But go ahead, share that, and then we'll. Yeah, so I wrote I wrote this um, poem, "The Hourglass," to help people find themselves, um, and it's something they can just read very quickly. But it the way it's the poem is shaped. Let me hold it up. It's shaped. Can you see it? Yes. Yeah, it's shaped like an hourglass, and there's a reason for I've that. I've got it in front of me too. Right. <laughs> The hourglass, this, you turn it over and the sand right. goes top level to the bottom level. And you turn it over again and it does the same thing. I love that. I goes, love that visualization. Right? And it's just a loop. And it's that, it's that it reminds us of the eternity of life because life doesn't end when we die. Life is eternal. 
Right. And so this hourglass, I'm hoping that when people read it and they incorporate it into their own meditation, that it will help them reflect on who they are and why they're here and what their soul's purpose really is. Right. And so the poem, I'm just going to read the first part down to the middle of that hourglass. But then when you start back out, it goes backwards and back out. And that's why it looks like an hourglass. So let me read that just for the first part. I trust the inner knowledge I carry in my soul and heart. I take a deep breath and fill my body with white light. I shine my bright light from my soul and heart. I extend my light into the world and sky. I am the person I want to be. I listen to my messages. I am connected. I am divine. I am light. I am love. I am. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for coming on today. Do you have any words of wisdom you'd like to share with us or anything I haven't asked you? Uh, well, I think, you know, we're all, we're all living through this pandemic now yes. and to remember um, there's always something good that comes out of um, dark moments. You know, it's the darkness that holds the creativity holds the key to creativity and transformation right. through these dark moments that new life you know, begins. Um, and so we're living through this kind of like a dark period of the pandemic and a lot of people have lost their jobs, have lost loved ones that have passed away because of the virus. But um, to remember to you know, stay grounded and knowing that um, things change and it's okay for change to take place, you know? Yeah. Uh, something, something new will come. There will be a new path that these people will walk on. If they've lost their job, there will be another job that comes along. There will be changes that's going to happen in their lives that were otherwise not have happened. And in the end, um, this will be, you know, they will become somebody new and, and grow from this experience. Mm-hmm. Not, not to forget that. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And if people want to find you, what's the best place? Uh, the easiest place would be to go to uh, my website, which is Dr. Lottie. So D-R for doctor and then L-O-T-T-E.com. And that is um, my website. I have um, on the, my interview page, I have other interviews that I've done. So people can always go there and, and click and listen to different things. Um, and they can also click over to my other website, which is Divine Spiritual Essence. And so on that, on the menu bar, it says Divine Spiritual Essence and workshops and mediumship. So, uh, you know, I do readings, mediumship readings and psychic readings and uh, healing and shamanic clearing sessions as well. Um, so that's how they find all of that. That's on a dip because I have to have separate businesses for it, right? Right, right. Um, at one business certain days and under the other business other days. Wow. You must be one busy lady. (laughs) One busy angel. (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much. And um, you have a wonderful, safe day. Yeah, you too. Stay safe during your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. 
If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.